Okay, Jim. Testing. Can you hear me? Jim. Yes. Let me get my mic off mute. All righty. I'll mute you. I'll mute you now. I'll go ahead. Marlo, can you hear me? Yes. Good evening. I can hear you. All right. Testing. Roderick, hey. can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, sir. Great talking to you, man. We'll, be, we'll get you in later, okay? Thanks a lot. I'm going to mute you. Sheila Townsend. Hi. I'm going to unmute you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, oh we're ready to go. They've been trying to get this right for about three months. All right. We're going to go in just a few seconds, y'all. We'll start with a moment of silence for the victims. Again, this time I believe it's in Alabama. And we'll get going. Give us about a minute. Good evening. Welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best in women's athletics and HBCU sports. Before we even introduce our guests, or talk about our Women of the Month, for the fourth week in a row, we need to have a moment of silence. Yep, again, guns, violence. This time, a mass shooting in Alabama. Let's take 20 seconds for a moment of silence before we get started. Amen. All righty. Let's say hello to my co-host, Jim Wardell. Unmute and tell him hi, Jim. We're here for a great show tonight. Yeah, hello. I'll All right. Good evening, Jim. All right. Marlo, you're unmuted. Tell everybody said hello. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. All right now. Now, we have two special guests. One is not a visitor to us. She's the CEO of the company for the Love LLC. She's our tennis analyst, and she has a great story. She's going to help us co-host the first part, 15 minutes, and then we're going to interview her about her company in the next 15 minutes. But let's say hello. We've been waiting to hear her voice for a while. Ms. Sheila Townsend. Tell them hello, Sheila. Good evening. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. All righty. Oh, you got the crowd warmed up. You got the crowd warmed up. <laughs> All right, now. And then we also have a special guest, 
Mr. Roderick Smothers Jr. We're going to give his full introduction a little later on. He's the director of the Directors Athletic Council for the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, and he's also the director of athletics for none other than Philander Smith College in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. We'll give him a welcome now and a big introduction later, Mr. Roderick Smothers Jr. All right, now. Hello, hello, hello. All right, Roger. All right, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. So we're going to pick up. We'll pick up our woman of the month that we've always been talking about for the last three months. We do this every month. And this is Miss Alice Coachman Davis, a unique story. Uh, she was born in Albany, Georgia, November 9th, 1923, died July 14th. 2014. Now we talked about her growing up, her athletic career, but what people don't know, some of us, she was the first woman, African-American, to win Olympic gold in 1948, 12 years after Jesse Owens did it in Germany, and 12 years before Wilma Rudolph did it in Rome. So we're on her to her later life. Coach's athletic career ended when she was just 24 years old. She dedicated the rest of her life after winning her gold medal to education and to the job course. Ms. Alice Coachman Davis died in Albany, Georgia, July 14th, 2014 of cardiac arrest after suffering through respiratory problems. She had a stroke a few months prior for which she received treatment from a nursing home. She had two children during her first marriage to N.F. Davis, which ended in divorce. Her second husband, Frank Davis, preceded her in death. She was truly a legend. We have one, no, two more weeks with her. But again, we're going to ask uh, our thoughts from our panel. Two thoughts. First, let's talk about gun control. Let's talk about Alabama. Here we go again. And then we'll talk about Miss Alice Coachman Davis. I'm going to start with you tonight. Miss Townsend, let's talk about Alabama and gun control. Give us a word. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know what is going to take for the lawmakers to um, exercise the will of the people and not their own interests. Um, we've had babies killed. We've had um, people at concert. I mean, you can't go anywhere. Concerts schools, grocery stores, churches, um, what, where else? I mean, we actually had a situation at our school where we had um, officers on campus with guns drawn and all of that. And um, it's something that it's undescribable to try to even describe um, when you are actually in that. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, uh, I'm going to keep going. We'll come back to you, Sheila, about Miss Alice Coachman Davis. Marlo, Alabama, another shooting. Your thoughts? Um, I'm like Coach Towns. Like Co I think it's I just, think it just unbelievably just, just I don't know don't what to know say. I don't know what the lawmakers, the lawmakers think, think 
and what, and what they're going about the, about the situation, how much how more, much more have happened happen before they um, do something. Okay. Molly, you may have to go out and come back in. You got a big echo, big echo in your mind. Your mind. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. James? I was listening, I was listening today, today to, to one, one of the uh, uh, legislatures yeah, in the I'm Alabama State Legislature who was saying that they just had to sign into law a law that allows people to carry without, without a permit. And we're just doing crazy stuff to appeal to the base. Because, you know, you, you need to have some regulations on these things. Some people don't need guns. Mm -hmm. All righty. Um, and Jim, either you need to turn your mic down or go out and come back in. You got a little echo, too. I made too. I, I, made I turned too. my I turned mic down. All right. All right. Now, now, let's move on. Jim? Jim? No, Sheila, Miss Alice Coachman Davis, the Olympian. She wanted to high jump. 1948, she came out of Tuskegee Institute, and very few people know about, know her, about her in history. history. What do you think? Well, one of the things I find to be so interesting with your with your podcast is the history that we receive about so many of these athletes who we hear nothing about, hear nothing about, have heard nothing about. And one of the things that I would hope Is I'm hoping that more people will, um, and frankly, to be honest, more black people will begin to appreciate the history of our HBCUs and to see the legacy that these institutions hold um, for not only past but also for present. I mean, the two um, legislatures that uh, were affected by the nonsense in Tennessee were two alums of HBCUs. And it's so many people who are doing so well in their designated professions that can directly point back to HBCUs. So I would really like to see us getting back to where we are um really promoting that more and driving um our students to those institutions all righty all righty let's move on we have some congratulations on some more accomplishments dawn staley last monday night uh was system history she was one of the first coaches in division one she had five players drafted in the WNBA draft. They only take 36. And she had five of her players, led by, of course, Player of the Year, or last year's Player of the Year, this year's Defensive Player of the Year, Aaliyah Boston, and point guard uh, Zia Cook. But that's quite an accomplishment. Marla, what do you think about that? There again, that's, there again, that's the general. general. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. I'm not sure why I'm getting sure feedback in this echo. I'm gonna try to go out and come back again. Here, let me turn the volume down. down. Jim, what's your thoughts? Um, um, I'm happy, I'm happy for, for 
I, uh, one of my former players' daughters, Kier Fletcher, played for Josh uh, Daly down, 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 down in South Carolina. South Carolina. So, so, I'm very happy for her, and I think she's bringing women's sports to the forefront. Well, well, that's for that's sure. sure. She's going to reload next year. Next year. Uh, uh, historically, historically, next year, Don Staley and Coach Spivey and Notre Dame, Dame African-American African coaches, coaches, will for will the first, for the first time, time be opening up the season and with a game, with a game in, in Paris. Paris. So, so hey, hey, you know, you know. All righty. Now, we have another story for you. A few weeks ago, we talked about a, I will say a young lady, we say this is the outstanding women's section, who was 105 years old, who set the record in the 100 meters, had a nickname called the Hurricane. There's another one to look up, Ida Keeling. She set the record in the 100 meters at 100 years old, Jim, in Vancouver, Canada, a few years ago. Uh, I forget the time, but she's African-American. And so I'm just going to let our listeners Google her, look her up, and we're going to talk about her next week. But here's another fact that we didn't know. Ida Keeling, a 100-yard dasher at age 100. Give it up. All right. All right. Now, we want to talk about this one. Yesterday or this weekend in the national finals, you know, gymnastics is taking on a whole nother life this year. The University of Florida has a gymnast named Trinity Thompson. She's a senior. She's a senior. And she set a tie two other young ladies for a score, a perfect 10 in their career. The only two other young ladies in NCAA history division one that have done that. She was down to her last vault in her last competition and landed a 10. So she vaulted her way into history. And that is 28 perfect 10s in her career. Let's give it up for Miss Trinity Thomas. Sheila, what do you think about her? Oh my goodness. Uh (coughs) Yeah. I have complete joy watching these young women take this sport by storm. I mean, prior to, we only thought that there were a few um, really top uh, gymnasts. But we, well, I would say myself, I have totally been corrected with that and, and have been enthralled with following them this whole entire season, following all of these ladies um, from Fisk and and those other African-Americans who are at a lot of these other schools. But it has really been fun watching them. Yeah. Sierra Brooks, African-American, was also also Big Big Ten Gymnast of the Year. Jim, what do you think about this? this. Gymnastics great. great. I think that we are branching out to sports that aren't normally uh used or not used but aren't normally uh have african americans in them and i think it's great it's great yep yep now jim Jim. i have one more for you because you're a golf guy you guys don't know this yesterday 
or this weekend, Texas A&M was golfing for the SEC championship. A young lady, Zoe Slaughter, the first African-American to ever play on the golf team, hit a hole or a par in the third hole of the playoffs, and that shot won the SEC championship for Texas A&M University's golf team. So, Zoe Slaughter, making history and putting us on the map. On the map. Him, Him, what's your thoughts on that now? now? (laughs) Again, golf is sports that is not usually not usually have uh, scholarship players of African American descent. It's great that she that, that they, they were able, able to do that, that and win the championship on that, that shot. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. All right. Before we go to break, I want to give us an update. It seemed like we just got through talking about the indoor track and field champions, right? Well, here we are. Outdoor season flies by. We don't want to ignore it. The Gulf Coast Athletic Conference just had their outdoor track and field championships this past weekend. And Dillard University's men and women walked away with the crown. Now, we're going to talk about second and third place with our guests later on, uh, because I know Philander also collected some hardware, Philanda Smith. But again, congratulations to the young ladies and men at Dillard University. The SIAC Outdoor, outdoor. Track and Field Championships will be taking place, place April 27th to April 29th at Morehouse College on the Edward Moses track. Let me give you some more. Give just a little bit more. A little more. The CIAA Track and Field Outdoor Championships will be held in Durham, North Carolina at the Durham County Morrill Stadium the weekend of May 5th. Next week, we'll bring you the MEAC and the SWAC, where it's going to be. And we want to make sure that we, we keep up with our spring our sports because they come and go, go so quickly. All righty? We're going to go to a break. break. And when we come back, we come back we're going to have an interview, have an interview. with the CEO, CEO of Love, Ms. Sheila Townsend. All right now. Quite a bit of play tonight in our microphones, but we're going to keep we're on. Keep this, on. Is good. this is good. She has um, been called a transcendental mom, CEO. She's a former, She's college, a former college tennis player, player at Lincoln University. She's raised, She's raised two tennis, tennis daughters and fine young people. people. One, One who completed, completed a, scholarship a scholarship and played on scholarship, played on scholarship tennis, tennis, tennis at Florida A&M. But I just want to get the championship of tennis. Go Rattlers. She has another daughter who's playing on the pro circuit at this time and has been one of the top singles and now doubles players in the world. And uh, that's her other daughter, Taylor Townsend. Some of you may have seen her on TV. She has taken a high school in Boca Raton, Florida, 
and took the men or boys and girls team to the state tournament, something that high school had never done before. And then she had the vision to go ahead and start her own company somewhere within the last year or so. It's called For the Love LLC. And we are thrilled to have her back on our show, none other than Miss Sheila Townsend, CEO. Yes, sir. <laughs> thank you, Cliff. <laughs> tell us, tell us about For the Love. Let's tell us about the company, how it's going, what it's about. Here we go. Okay, well, For the Love came about because of the love of the sport that I have for tennis. Um, it has afforded me so many opportunities and um, also facilitated me springboarding these opportunities to, to my children. And so um, as far as educationally and, um, you know, through the blessings of God, it has carried my other daughter into areas that I never expected. Um, and I just wanted to share, you know, everything that it afforded me and offered to me. I just wanted to have an opportunity to share that amongst others as well. And particularly uh, people who look like me um, so that they know that um, though they may seem to have some obstacles in front of them, um, but you could still achieve through work, perseverance, and all of the other disciplines that come along with the sport. So one of the things that I always say is the thing that I love about tennis so much is how much it mirrors life. Um, because you have a, a parent who gives you directions and guidance and, um, you know, hopefully they've instilled some things within you that you were able to make good choices for yourself, yourself so that you can, um, you know, potentially render the outcomes that you want. And tennis is the same thing. You have a coach and we instruct you, but ultimately the decisions are yours, you know, and you're responsible for those decisions. And so that is what you call life, you know, and you always are going to have triumphs. There are going to be a lot of defeats, but so much of tennis, because it is such a technical sport like golf, um, you're going to have more failures than wins, but it's what you do with those. And I don't like, I don't particularly care for the word um, failures because I look at them as opportunities because you have to have those in order to grow. So um, it's what you do when you're not able to always be up that builds you and builds character and makes you into not only a stronger athlete, but also a stronger individual, a wiser individual. And those are all of the things that you need to be a successful citizen in, in life. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's a little bit about the company. All righty. Now, I want to ask you this. There's another part of your company, and this is a growing sport and popularity 
and that is pickleball. Explain that to our audience, because oh, you know, yeah. I told you the first time I, I saw it, I thought somebody <laughs> just made ping pong paddles too big. I was lost. So tell our audience about how pickleball take it off. Tell us about it. <laughs> well, you know, pickleball is a sport that anyone can play, which is one of the biggest attractions for the sport. I mean, and people of all different ages, all different athletic abilities. Um, so you don't have to be a super athlete. You don't have to be um, really fast. Um, it's very social. You don't have to have a partner to play. Um, you can pretty much go to a court and you know, just play pickup games. But because it is something that anybody can play because it's not as technical as tennis. So mm -hmm. primarily the trajectory of a person being successful is considerably shorter than it is in tennis. So, you know, just like anything, if you start having some wins and success, people are going to start enjoying it a lot more and be more um, interested in trying to get involved in it. Um, but one of the things that is so attractive to me and why I'm trying to really introduce it into our community and especially to the younger people is because it's not often in anybody's lifetime that you are really at the inception of sport. And we are really at the inception of this sport. And um, with a lot of the um, abilities of, you know, our kids, I mean, they can easily transition into this sport and get in at the ground level and really take off. Um, there was, there is a young lady, a, a young girl who lives in the area she turned professional at the age of 12, but this was four years ago. Four years ago, pickleball was really, um, I mean, it was kind of known throughout the, I would say 55 and over community because it's easy for them to pick up, but not a lot of younger people were really playing it. I think after COVID, you know, when people needed to get out, I think that's when real people, more people really started getting more involved in the sport. And then, um, you know, then they were able to see how enjoyable that it actually is. But going back to that young girl, now she's 16, four years later, and this girl is a multimillionaire. Wow. Now, it, it, it does not... Um, right now, it's still in the infancy stages. So, of course, they don't have the prize money that tennis has and so forth and so on. But it's building constantly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you hear everything. Every time you turn around, you're hearing about it. The pickleball cruises and pickleball this and pickleball that. And I just feel like if our kids could get in at this ground level um, because they are going to be featuring the sport in the Olympics. So mm -hmm. we know that this is going to be a sport that is going to be a scholarship sport also. 
So if they could start playing this and, and as I said, because it is so easy, it's just a matter of them, once they start playing, just play. I mean, and they will see how quickly they can improve in this. And this can become a very lucrative position for them, you know? So, um, and of course not everybody will, but it's another avenue for them to um, parlay their education. I mean, they can, the academics and sports, but I just see the opportunities are, are just so wide open. And because, especially because there are not a lot of younger uh, kids involved in it, I just think that this is a time when our kids should jump in. Dr. Kemp had a question, I believe. Dr. Kemp, what's that? Mm -hmm. um, yes, I, I totally agree <clears throat> with what Coach Townsend is saying because they are actually open, opening up centers here in on the East Coast that I just saw one, a, a huge center that just opened uh, for pickleball. And actually, I think it's a maybe two or three more that are now opening up. It's like every time you turn around, mm -hmm on the news you see that's that's the sport one of the sports of course that they that they are talking about is pickleball so i think it's it's uh, wonderful that at least people of all ages you know are getting out there and like coach townsend said if if our um kids can actually jump on it you know and benefit from it um especially with this name image and likeness and make money off of it i say i definitely say you know go forward and I just want to, I did have a question uh, for you, Coach Townsend. Um, how has, or, or has any of your student athletes had a chance to um, capitalize on any of the opportunities, especially with this name, image, and likeness, and especially with your students winning state championships um, this year, as well as the past couple of years? Um, not, not so much. I mean, um, some of the students that I have had the, you know, opportunity to coach have gone on to, um, collegiate, uh, athletics with tennis, but none where they were at the, I would say the top tier tennis schools, um, where that would really come into play. Um, but I'll give a story to you. There's a young lady who um, I've known for many years since I've been here in Florida. She's 21 and um, she had uh, been playing tennis her whole entire life. Well, she was on the, um, for lack of a better word, just so you guys understand, she was kind of like on the, the minor league tour, okay? And so um, really having a tough go at it, trying to get to the events and, and the expenses of uh, just getting to the tournaments and all the training and so forth and so on. So she, has been, she had been coming out to the pickleball courts and I, I started talking to her about um, her transitioning over to pickleball. You know, I said, listen, 
you know, this tennis thing, you've been trying it for, for many years and you're having a very difficult time. The same thing I share with you guys, you know, this is the inception, getting it at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So I had been talking to her for several weeks and um, anyway, she went to a tournament. She came to play with me before she went to this tournament in Turkey. Well, I don't know if you guys remember when they had the earthquake over mm -hmm. in Turkey. I don't know if you remember. And anyway, she was there when all of that happened. So she got stuck over there and she couldn't get back. And it, it was just, it was, it was horrific trying to, you know, trying to get her back to the States and trying to see where she's staying with all of the, the chaos and everything that was going on. So anyway, when she got back, I got a chance to see her and um, she told me that uh, she had thought about what I said and she's made the decision to concentrate strictly on pickleball. All right now. And so she turned professional and she has started um, winning tournaments, making money and um, so it's stories like that, you know, that, that I know that there are going to be so many more stories that are out there like that. Um, but people just need to know about it. And not mm -hmm. only that for the students, I mean, it, it, it's going, it is going to be, and it is very lucrative um, from a business standpoint. As um, Dr. Kemp was saying about, uh, she saw some centers opening up I mean, I just read, uh, I think it was yesterday, where a old Macy's um, has been converted to a pickleball, an indoor pickleball facility. Imagine that, an old Macy's store. Um, and uh, it, it, it's just going to be a good financial investment too. And why not us get involved in this on the mm -hmm. ground level? Why not? Let me let, let me ask you, Sheila. Um, and I, we want to learn a lot more about this. Uh, we, we definitely want you to come back on. But how could someone contact your company? And then we're going to have to go to commercial and come back with Mr. Smothers. But how could someone contact your company to find out a lot more about this? Can you give us this information? Because the podcast is going to go out on many um, platforms. So, so let's give us some information oh, sure. how we can get in touch uh, for the love. Oh, I'm on Facebook at For the Love, and I'm on Instagram at For the Love. So, either of those platforms, you can reach me there. And, um, and it also has a contact phone number and email as well on all of those uh, platforms as well. All righty. Now, you know we're going to have to have you back because we didn't even talk about uh, Australian Open, French Open, all the tournaments, college tennis players and rankings. Uh, but I definitely, we're going to continue to push the information and we um going to have you back, of course, for the love of tennis, CEO, Ms. Sheila Townsend. Sheila, would you stay around for the rest of the show with us? Absolutely. All righty. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to come back, and then we're going to meet Mr. Roderick Smothers, Jr. All right. Let's go to 
Give us about a minute, and here we go. If you're looking for a house, if you're looking for a commercial land builder, developer, investor services, PRE, P. Renee Estates and Associates, Pamela Renee, qualified broker, founder, CEO, 2870 Peachtree Road, Suite 992, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305, phone number 404-964-4294. That's Pamela at preneestates.com. That is our top-notch sponsor. All right, now. <laughs> yep. Mr. Roderick Smothers, Jr. He is an administrator an athletic director at Philander Smith College in Little Rock, in Arkansas. And uh, his team have done well. Under his leadership down there, the Philander uh, Smith team has finished first and second in just about every sport. This year, they also produced the NAIA All-American in women's basketball. He's a leader. I'm going to say this. He's just 36 years old. He also works with the conference administrative level, the Gold Conference, right alongside the dynamic commissioner, Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes. He's the director of the Athletic Directors Council. We're going to hear from a rising superstar in administration. Let's give a big welcome to none other than Mr. Roderick Smothers Jr. Yes, sir. Good evening, everyone. The crowd loves you. Let me cheer for you for a second. And now, Jim, can lead us off this interview. Yeah, they love you, Roger. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All righty, Jim. Jim, are you there? All right, well, I'll start off and Jim will jump in. So, tell us how do you get into athletic directorship you know we usually don't hear about that major in college but how did you gravitate to this field and when did you know that you know you were just a, a leader and an administrator to take athletics to the heights let's start with uh Philander smith and then we'll work our way up to the gulf coast athletic conference yeah well you know in terms of uh, being in athletics uh, I knew as a young boy that I wanted to do something with sports, uh, play, bas play basketball, and I participated in all kinds of sports. Uh, and, and as I began to progress, um, you know, through high school, I worked my way to college. I pursued the journalism side of things in college, so I began covering sports. Uh, and it was then that I kind of got this mindset of, you know, what goes on behind the scenes, what allows sports to happen. And I became very curious. Uh, and that that caused me to go and get a master's in sports management. 
And once I did that, I was just well on my way. Uh, ultimately, in 2020, got the call, uh, call of a lifetime. I knew that I had to walk through that door to be, uh, you know, uh, athletic director at Philander Smith College. And it's been a ride ever since and you know, a ride that I'm very proud of. Mm-hmm. Jim, jump on in. Jim, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear All me? Right, let's take it. Uh-huh, sure. Okay. You know, he forgot to mention the most important part. He's he's a member of Alpha Phi Alpha. Oh. <laughs> hey, I was going to get to that. I would never leave that out now. We're going to get clapped. Okay. Yep. And, you know, we're going to get the jump roll. roll. All right, now, you're ready to go. <laughs> All right. Comes from great stock because his father, Terrence Smoth- um, um, Roger Smothers Sr., is the uh, president of Philander Smith, and he also is the associate, no, assistant vice president of the Southwest region. So, you know, you can't, you can't lose with the Smothers. Come on now. <laughs> now. When, you know, we talk about the GCAs, Cliff and I both played sports at Fisk in the 80s. Cliff played okay. in the SIAC and in, in the CAC, which we transferred to a predominantly white uh, conference. And we are glad that we are in the uh, GCAC, Golf Coast Athletic Conference, because you, you just can't get those games, the, 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 the feel in those games when you play another HBCU. What schools are in uh, the GCAC? Well, uh, we're, we're a growing conference. You know, we're in the middle of transition. Um, right now, we currently sit at nine members. Um, with the recent uh, induction of uh, the Virgin Islands, we now have Fisk, Fisk University. We have Oakwood University out of Alabama. We have Dillard University. We have Tougaloo College. We have Russ College. We have Wiley College. Of course, Philander Smith College. Uh, and then we also have Southern University of New Orleans, that's SUNO. Um, and so we're we're on the move in the GCAC and uh, we're looking to continue in that direction. And I'm, you know, super proud to be in the space with the rest of my colleagues in the GCAC. Okay, now I know the GCAC is an NIA NIA League. National Association for Inclusion. Yeah, I'm getting tongue-tied. I'm sorry. <laughs> National Association for Intercollegiate Athletics. Uh, what's the difference between that and the NCAA? Well, just just school size mainly. Uh, you know, the, the NCAA is going to consist more so of your, your larger institutions uh, that that probably has more funding um, and probably bigger scholarship budgets, uh, whereas the NAIA are more of your, your smaller schools. Um, that may not have the the um, you know the scholarship budget of an NCAA school, but at the same time uh, we have very competitive sports, and the NAI is actually the the grandfather of them all. You know, it started with the NAI. Okay, uh, let me ask because the big thing in uh, sports now, collegiate sports now, is NIL money, name, image, and likeness. Absolutely. Do you have any? You know, when I first heard that a couple of years ago, I was thinking maybe that, you know, the, the local pizza joint would sponsor a player, put his picture up and give him a little pocket change. But this has become a big lucrative business with kids, male and female, making over excess of a million dollars. 
Yeah, you know, um, I think it's well past due NIL uh, for so many years. Uh, schools profited, you know, off of the backs of our student athletes, um, and they basically got nothing in return for it. Uh, well, they, this gives them an opportunity to to have an image uh, and to to get paid for it. Um, and I think that you know when you get into that space, you just have to do it the right way. Um, the fortunate but unfortunate thing is there's so many different laws with so many different states. Um, you know, you may be in, in a certain state and you may be able to take advantage of practically everything because there are more their laws are more loose. Where where some some states their their laws are a little more strict. Uh, but all in all, you just have to have the right platform, uh, and you just have to to study it on a regular basis to make sure that you're staying on top of the whole NIL deal. Now, I know the NCAA kind of let it run amok and didn't regulate it and starting to regulate it now. Did the NAIA do anything different in terms of regulations for its member uh, schools? No, to this point, uh, it's, everything is it's kind of a work in progress, you know, um, because there are so many rules out there. Again, you just you have to continue to study it um, and you have to continue to um it's kind of trial and error. You have to see how how things are going to work. Uh, when you get when you talk about a kid making that kind of money, uh, you know one thing that's not mentioned is well, you know now you have to sort of you know know what the tax laws are, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so yeah. that's also yeah. an another thing, right? Because if you're making, you, you know, Uncle Sam's going to come for his, mm -hmm. um, and so all of all of it is, yeah. is trial and error. And uh, again, it could be one way today and change tomorrow. This is true. Now, the GCAC is unique in the fact that this year they tried something called pods, where you have four schools, one venue, three games in three days. How do you think that is working? Well, I think that it got us through this year. Uh, that also was a trial and error. Uh, but, uh, you know, after we surveyed the athletes um, and they gave us some really, really good feedback, you know, we determined that we're going to we're going to move away from that because the health and safety of the student athlete is the most important. And um, what was brought to our attention was there isn't any single conference in America where a student athlete plays uh, three days in a row when it comes to to basketball. Um and so, when, you know, when you consider that, um, even in the, uh, the field of 64 for the, the big tournament, right, they play two games, then they're all for a week, then they play another two games, then they're all for a week, and then it's the championship, right? Uh, and so uh, while it got us through this year, uh, we have to go back to the drawing board and realize that uh, a true home and home for these athletes is really what they want uh, because – it could be a situation like with the pods. Um, we had a situation this year where um, after the end of January, we had a, a member school who didn't have any other home games, but you still have the month of February to play. And so that left kind of a sour taste in the, in the mouths of, of students because they literally had nothing to do on campus. They had no entertainment. And so you have to consider those kind of things when you have your pod play. And ultimately, you know, it sent us back to the drawing board. Mm -hmm. 
Jim, before we take your next question, let's just give about 30 second music commercial and then we're coming right back, okay? We're here with Roderick Smothers Jr. All righty, director of athletic directors for the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. We'll be right back. Jim, I'm going to let you start right back. Before we do, I want to acknowledge tonight, we see her in the audience, the head coach for the Fisk University Lady Bulldogs, Coach Victoria Crawford. Welcome to Cliff, Burt, and Friends. Good to see you. All right, Coach. Jim, let's go back again. Well, Brother Smothers, I want to tell you that this year was a pleasure covering the GCAC. We would announce the scores of the big games, the tournament, we uh, player of the week, uh, leading scorers, rebounders, and assists. And, you know, just doing that, it was just an honor. And I wanted to ask you, what issues do you encounter in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference that you might not in the other conference? Because you guys... Issues are that we... Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say you with Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee. So you're fairly close together. So do you guys have any uh, issues that you encountered other leagues don't? Um, no, I mean, I, I would say that um, we're, we're, we're about average. We're about like any other conference. Um, in terms of travel, there are some trips that may be a little longer than others, um, you know, where it's, it's not a turnaround trip. You have to spend the night. Um, and, but that's, that's typical in college sports. Uh, I know from a, from a budget perspective, uh, with us being smaller schools, we try to, uh, make that work. Um, and we try to be as, as financially savvy as possible when it comes to scheduling our games and making sure one that, um, that our, our student athletes are not missing as much class. Uh, but then two, uh, that, you know, the trips that we take is not completely depleting our budgets. Okay. Now I, I saw earlier this year where there was one school, it wasn't in the GCA, GCAC, I just want to let you know, that was gone the whole month of December playing basically money games on the road. And I'm glad to see that you guys don't do that because I think the student athlete loses out on that. Yeah, well, you know, let me say this. Uh, the money games are necessary. With us being smaller institutions, there are those games that are going to, to help to fund, you know, uh, future, future games or future budgetary items uh, within the department. And so they are necessary. Uh, now, I, I, don't, I do not agree with, being gone for the entire month um, in terms of money games, because even though you have that revenue coming in, uh, if you've been gone for an entire month, what what have you spent? You know, for that month, uh, you, are, are you breaking even? <laughs> you know, and so I don't agree with you know being gone for the entire month of December. 
Uh, however, I do agree that money games are necessary. What sports do you guys offer in the uh, GCAC? Uh, so we have six championship sports. We have uh, men and women's basketball. Uh, we, we now have baseball. Um, this is going to be the first time we offer baseball championship this year. Um, then we have men and women's cross country, and we have men and women's track and field and volleyball. Those are our championship sports so far. Okay. Now, with the Fisk University has started a, a gymnastics team, and I know Talladega is going to have one next year. Are there any plans to add gymnastics? Well, it's it's certainly a um, it's certainly an area that everyone is looking into. Uh, gymnastics is its own entity; it's its own lane. Um, Fisk University made history, you know, by by adding gymnastics, and they literally created an avenue that no one else um, in in uh, HBCU. The HBCU culture has, uh, and so you know, there uh, that's black woman magic all day long. Uh, but you know, you have to have the right resources in place in order to have gymnastics, and so it's it's a study. You know, it's it's something that you have to really, really put the, your head in the sand and try to make happen with the right resources. So it's definitely in a conversation, but. You can't pivot that way until you have the right resources in place. Jim, I, I think Marlo had a question and, and maybe Sheila. Let's let him jump in uh, if we can. Sure. Marlo? Oh, Sheila, question? I thought your mics were on. Oh, I have a question. Marlo? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, welcome, President and Smothers. Um, my first question is, um, how often do you get confused with your dad? Listen, <laughs> <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I got confused with my dad, I promise you, I probably wouldn't be on this show right now. <laughs> I, I'd be somewhere on an island on vacation. Uh, I'd be a very rich man if I if I had a dollar for every time I got confused with my dad. <laughs> So you have big shoes to fill. That, that that's awesome. I, absolutely, um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, my other question is: uh, How do you balance wearing those two hats as being president of the GCAC and then as the you know athletic director of Landry Smith? Well. Um, being called into this leadership role, uh, you know, it was unanimous by my colleagues. Uh, although I'm the, the youngest athletic director uh, in the GCAC, they saw something in me that, you know, that said that I was a good administrator and that I could handle it. Uh, and so for me, uh, it's just a matter of doing my regular day-to-day -day operations uh, as an athletic director. And then outside of that, keeping constant contact with Dr. Barnes in terms of where we're going um, as a conference and just making sure that uh, I'm, I'm doing everything uh, on that side of it. So um, while it can be uh, quite a balance to keep up with, so far I've done well. This is my second second year as, as president. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we've done some really good things that I'm, I'm very proud of. And I look to 
to continue along those lines as being president as well as the athletic director. So it's, it's all about, you know, what your colleagues think of you. Sheila, she's an administrator in her own company and uh, it's been a blessing having both of you, but do you have any questions for uh, the director, athletic director? I do. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, One of the questions that I have is in seeing um, the excitement, the recruiting that Deion Sanders was able to bring to Jackson State, have you been able to um, reach out to some of the, maybe your alum or some other um, HBCU um, uh, professional uh, athletes who are retired who have been in the coaching arena to um, look at your school and to see they can bring that kind of energy to your programs. Well, um, you know, Deion Sanders is a once in a lifetime kind of guy. Um, he he did it his way. Uh, he was in charge of the marketing and everything else. And he had Jackson State at a different level because of that, because of his profile, right? And so um, I think that it does start with the alumni base. They have to show interest um, and they have to get others interested as well. Uh, and you, you have to make everything a big deal if you want to to be, you know, in that kind of space. Um our, we, we have some very, very good alumni supporters of the athletic department, uh, and we're trying to increase that, you know, so that we can be uh, better marketed uh, and on that national stage like Jackson State was. So, you know, not every day you, you run into a, a Deion Sanders, right, uh, former uh, Hall of Fame NFL player, Um we, we have a, you know, in a sense, we have a celebrity athlete who is the head coach of our men's basketball team. Come on now. Uh, uh, coach, coach Todd Day, a former NBA player, mm-hmm. um, and he has a profile of his own, and I know that he, he knows guys uh, in that field, too, who could help with that. And so, you know, uh, we, we're going to have to talk to Coach Todd Day about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Come on, um, Mr. President, with your broadcasting background and your sports management background. <laughs> well, uh, hey, Ron wasn't built in the day now. Yeah, Mr. Strother, <laughs> I, I wanted to emphasize that. And then, Jim, I'm going to come back to you, and then it will come on, uh, you know. But um, your leader, uh, we can't say enough. We had her on a previous show, Dr. Kiki Baker-Barnes. Yes. And in one year, okay, HBCU lead path game changer. You got the credit union, Hope Credit Union, I believe that's yeah. the name, as yeah. the sponsor. And they're in about all the states where your teams are, or close to it. Game yes. changer. And then she got in some deal with uh, what's our comedian with all the money? Oh boy. Byron uh, Allen. Byron Allen, right? So for one year building this thing brick by brick quickly uh, you on the right team. You all have a superstar on your team, uh, and Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes. And I know you've learned so much from her. Uh, and absolutely. We continue yeah. to, yeah. And and just tell her we said hello. 
Uh, James, I'll let you come on in, and then I'll come on in. Now, interestingly enough, we, the uh, I forget the lady's name, Cliff, but she's starting an HBCU basketball league. Are Kimberly Meadows-Clark, who's been on our show. Yes. Yeah. Are you guys going to be sending some players or having some games in some of your locales? Well, look, well, look I, I'll tell you, we certainly have the players who are capable mm-hmm. you know, of, of playing uh, in, in that type of league. Um, it's definitely something to look into. And so, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, absolutely. You know, we want our players to play at the next level. Uh, we don't think that it should end at Philander Smith College. Um, and I, I think that you have to explore uh, those things for them. So, you know, we're definitely interested in and sending players for that league. Well, Mr. Strathers, you guys are doing a great job at uh, both levels, Philando Smith, but also at the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference administrative level. We always say on our show, we cover all of our black conferences, all five and independence. There's not but one conference in the men's division this year that sent a team to the Elite Eight, and that was Tugaloo in NIA. Out of all of them, SWAC, MEAC, SIAA. So that's to be applauded. And uh, the women are doing very well as well. And um, just keep on uh, keeping up the good work. Uh, we always come to Marlowe for the final comments. So Dr. Kemp, give us your final thoughts and then Mr. Strathers, and then we'll, we'll have to close it out. Marlowe? As usual, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have these two wonderful guests on the show. Um, very informative information uh, from both. And we... Look forward to them doing more in their areas and definitely continue to support them in everything that they do. Mr. Strathers? Some comments? Smothers. Before we get off? Smothers. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Coach Strathers and Tugaloo. All right. Smothers, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Hey, by, by, by the way, I absolutely love Coach Strathers at, at Tugaloo. That's my guy. Great show, um, coach. He's been on our show. He's been on our show. Great coach. Okay. Yeah. L- listen, it's, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure being with you all this this evening. Um, thanks for for bringing me on, uh, being able to sh- shed light not only on not only on the uh, Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, but also Philander Smith College. Um, I think that we need more of this, and so. You know, if you all are looking for uh, some special guests who can also speak to this, I'd be willing Absolutely. to help uh, in in that in that manner. Um, best wishes to all of you, and uh, continue to shed light on our HBCUs. That's what we need. Yeah, you have a home, and you have a voice on the show anytime. Yeah. You don't have to wait to be invited, nor anybody that you recommend. We are all about it. Okay, we'll let yes, you know sir. that from the heart. All right. Now, and brothers, smothers, I would love ahead, to have you on. To come on like maybe before the basketball season and talk about some of the you know players events maybe before the tournament and you know just keep us abreast on the gcac absolutely will do all righty now and before we get off the air we always like to let you know what's going on we love our spring sports we don't want to ignore them so next week we have mr robert slack he's the women's lead tennis coach the head tennis coach at clark University. They're in place for the tennis title, okay, in SIAC. He'll be on next week. And then the following week, we have one of the greatest women's basketball players to ever play, Miss Shernika 
Randall Lay. You may know as Shanika Randall. In 1998, she was a starter. One of the three Mikas, Tamika Ketchings and Tamika Holesclaw. She played for Padhead Summit on her only undefeated team out of her eight national championships. She's a coach now at Winthrop College. So Shanika Randall Lay will be on. And then we just got confirmation. Get ready for this one. May 5th, we're going to have all the greatest coaches that ever coached at HBCU. Coach Dave Robbins, who coached the Virginia Union Panthers. We're going to give him a clap right now. Oh, yeah. Coach Dave Robbins, three national championships in 30 years. He won 80% of his games. He also coached Ben Wallace, Charles Oakley. He put five players in the NBA from the Division II school, Virginia Union. Okay? He's one of the greatest coaches to ever coach. He's coming on May 5th. So, hey, as always, if you want some more sports, Wednesday nights, 9 to 11, Mark Jones and Friends, our parent company, we were burst right out of that show. Reggie, Jack, Carl, Jim, uh, Luther, not Luther Vandross, but Luther. <laughs> they let me stop by every now and then. And as always, we'll see you in about 168 hours from now. Coach Roderick Smothers, thank you so much for being with us. Cheer up. Thank you so much. I love you. you. All right, now. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. All right. Thanks for having me. You got it.